Well, we're going to try to keep this uh, around 45 minutes, so we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, everybody should have one of these little handouts here. We were going to do a PowerPoint, but we didn't know, again, how many people are going to be here. Next time, we may actually hook up a projector and have some stuff so it'll be easier to see. But for today, we've got some nice little handouts here. Um, before we get into the agenda here, and I'm a nerd, I always have to have an agenda no matter what kind of <laughs> meeting we're going to have, and have to have a list of things we're going to do just to keep me on track. It's that, it's that teacher bone, I guess. You just got to, you have to do that. Yeah. But uh, first of all, we'll just start by saying Alex and I have been on our debt-free, quote-unquote debt-free journey for about two years now. We've been working on paying off all of our debts, including all of our credit cards and all these things that we did because we were... You know, 50% smart and going to college and 50% stupid for uh, <laughs> taking out loans for things we didn't need and buying cars and buying all these things that, um, you know, if we'd had more time to get more of the information that we're going to provide today, we definitely would have chosen this route because we would have been a lot farther along and been able to live and give a little bit more than what we're able to do now. But we've come a very long way. So we'll start by kind of saying that up front. We'll also say that we're not uh, CPAs. <laughs> you know, we're not, we don't have a college degree, but we brought one, okay? We've got one right here. <laughs> we told Chris, we told Chris at any time you just jump in and you correct us on the, the logistics of things. Uh, but otherwise, you know, most of the world aren't CPAs, and most of the people who are going to be uh, possessing money and having money and being required to use their money in some way um, are just going to need basic training and tools and ways to, to do that. And that's what we're going to provide. So if you take a look at your agenda here, uh, we're going to establish a biblical basis for giving and tithing and uh, managing your money correctly. We're also going to share several statistics and uh, things that are common uh, in the American household. We're going to give you some ideas uh, for where to start because sometimes it's very overwhelming uh, to see a lot of information in front of you and uh, to not know exactly what is step number one. So we're going to outline that today. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about the process of a debt snowball. Has anybody heard of that before? Debt snowball. Uh, if you've been a follower of Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University, that's sort of his mantra. Uh, so we're going to share the process of exactly, okay, now that you have the inspiration to start paying off debt, how do you actually do it? You know, what's the, what's the logical process? In addition to that, we're going to give you an idea of how to set up your household budget. We're going to go into more specifics of the budget in the second class. Today we're going to just give you an overview and some percentages of how to allocate your money in general. And then next time we're really going to be focused exclusively on the budget and how to set it up. Then at the end we'll have questions and talk about the next class a little bit. The objectives for today, by the end of today's class, uh, this 45-minute session here, you're going to understand the biblical basis for financial stewardship, understand the financial crisis occurring in American households, understand where to begin your journey to financial freedom, understand how to create a debt snowball chart, and finally, understand how to create a budget with income percentages. That's a large order for 45 <laughs> minutes, right? You didn't know this is going to be so content-packed. So if you go over to the next page... We're going to start with first things first, and that is a prayer, and then we're going to talk about the biblical basis for what we do. So if you will, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for giving us a vision in this church, the Daring Faith Campaign. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us uh, to be provided with the finances that you've already laid in our hands. Father, we know that without you, there would be nothing, because all this money, all this wealth, all this prosperity, anything that we've enjoyed throughout our lives is all directly because of you. 
So, Father, we want to give that back. We want to learn how to be good stewards of what you've already given us, of what you've already provided. And we pray a blessing over this class. I pray, Lord, that we would just come together in fellowship and that we begin uh, to study these principles, to study your word, and to just begin to understand exactly how we should proceed with our money. And we thank you for doing that. We thank you for giving us this vision. We pray that you'll be with us uh, throughout this meeting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there's a few verses, and I'm just going to run straight through them here before we talk about them. The first one's Romans 13.8. It's on your second page there. It says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Proverbs 22.7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. That's one that really convicted me, and we'll come back to it. Deuteronomy 28.12. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised you, and you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. And you will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. Proverbs 13.22. A, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So whenever we started our debt uh, snowball, whenever we first started on this journey of trying to get to financial freedom in our own lives, the first thing we sat down and did was we made a list of everybody that we owed. And we begin to, uh, once, once you do that, it's a scary thing. <laughs> it honest to goodness is, once you sit down and you really face reality and you make a list of uh, all the people you owe and all the debts, what you end up with um, is a list of masters. And you may not acknowledge them as that. You may not proclaim uh, J.C. Penny credit card is my master, or Lowe's credit card is my master. I, I don't claim that over anybody. And I, you know, and it, from my own personal perspective, that's not something that I would have just said out loud. But when you begin to identify, um, you know, what consists and what makes a master, it, it, it's a person that you answer to. It's a person that you've given authority to in a certain area of your life. So in our lives, we had given authority to about a list of 14 masters. Those in, 14 have begun this year, 20 <laughs> way back. It's, it's, it's been a long list. All right? And as we know, the Bible uh, says that we can't serve two masters. And it also says in Proverbs 22.7, the borrower is slave to the lender. And what a conviction that is for me because we reached a point in our lives where we felt like we were doing well financially in terms of working hard, doing all the things that society expects you to do. We went to college, we got degrees, we started teaching, we uh, went to be professors at the University of the Cumberlands. And I say all that to boast in the Lord's goodness and what he allowed us to do, but I also say that to expose sort of our own fleshly perspective of how we felt we were doing well. We thought, we're doing great here. You know, we've, we've got good jobs, we have a steady income, we have a, a college education, but when we made that list, and we started to see the 20 credit cards, the, the 14, however many, you know, everybody has their own sort of amount of things that they're, they're working toward. We begin to identify the areas in our lives where we couldn't be participants in ministry. We could not be participants in giving in certain areas because our money was so confined. It was so strapped down. From the very moment it started coming in, no matter what our increase was, we said, okay, we now have enough to pay another master. Right? We said, okay, we just got a raise. We just got a promotion. Let's get another master. Right? And we kept going to that. We kept saying, okay, we, we've got a little wiggle room in our budget. You know, I can afford that TV now. Right? And it's fine if I put it on payments. I can afford that guitar. I can afford that car. Right? <laughs> Alex was the one with the guitar. All right? So, <laughs> and the car. That was all her idea. You know? No, I, 
when we when we moved to Williamsburg and we did get the raises and things, we went out and said, "Hey, we have a two-story house now. We have to fill this house." Yeah. So we went and bought six thousand dollars worth of furniture mm -hmm. that we don't own that sits in our house that we're still paying on. That, that we are still paying on two, three years later. Yeah, that we still have a, a master right there on the list that says, mm -hmm. "You owe me this every month, no matter what the Lord continues to pour into your life." You're still bound. You're still in bondage. You still have this link. You still have this chain. You still are, are rooted right here in this place. Every step you think you're moving forward, you've got another link to pull you right back into place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when we got tired of it. And when Harper was born, especially, mm -hmm. things your, your whole world perspective starts to change. And whenever you see this scripture in Proverbs 13:22 that says, A good man leaves an inheritance to its children, his children's children, I have nothing to leave right now. And that is a devastating thing to think about. Sure, I can give her my stuff, right? You know, I can say, here's this guitar I've not paid off. Here's this car I've not paid <laughs> off. Here's this house I'm still paying on. But I want to give her something substantial. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about uh, a lifestyle. I'm talking about something spiritual, a, a way to live her life that is honoring to God and has one master listed right there at the top of the list that you are free to, to give everything to. And you don't have all of this bondage and these debts and these things that pull you back in. So let's talk a little bit about the statistics of uh, the American household. Okay, so the statistics, because I'm the math person, right? We know Shannon doesn't do percentages no, very well. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, the okay. but the statistics um, here are for you per year. And you may look at these numbers and you may think, oh, well, that's not that bad. So eating out, according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, in 2014, of course it's went up since then, and they give you a little bit in 2015, but the average American household spent $2,787 on restaurant meals and takeout compared to $3,971 on groceries. In 2015, that restaurant amount... It actually went ahead and went up $221 over that year. So it went up to $3,008. Now, if you look at those numbers, you think, oh, over the course of the year. So I did the math, and it's $581 a month on food. $581. Now, when I look at that number, I'm like, oh, that's kind of a lot, Lord. But I will tell you personally that we have spent thousand or more dollars per month on eating out because we would eat out breakfast. Just a sausage, but you think that doesn't add up very much, two or three dollars. But then you eat for two people at a fast food restaurant for fifteen, twenty dollars for lunch and dinner, and you're at fifty dollars for the day. So if you calculate fifty dollars a day for seven days a week for thirty days in the month, you are at a lot of money. And that's the McDonald's drive through. You know what I'm saying? It's not we're going out to somewhere nice to eat for dinner. We're getting a cheeseburger or a fry and that's costing us our inheritance that we're leaving for our children. So our child at this point, but you know. <laughs> um, in 2001, if you look at that next, that little chart, I know it's kind of hard to see because it's not in color, but um, hopefully you can see this with me. In 2001 to 2007, that is the moment in American history where Americans started spending more money on non-essential items than they did essential items. If you look at the past 17 years, how rapidly that has grown, 2009 to present, that little bitty bar on the bottom that's the lighter color gray, that's your essentials that you spend the percentages of your monthly income on. The dark one on top, is it's a little over a fourth, but it's approaching half the amount of money that you spend on non-essentials, over half. So when you go to restaurants, there's a statistic that says it is a 300% markup. 
if you go to McDonald's and you buy a cheeseburger and fry and Coke or whatever, and you look at that and you say, oh, that's just $6, it's a 300% markup. So at your home, if you were to buy hamburger meat, hamburger buns, and a case of pop, you could have that do you for three, four, five meals and cost you about the same amount of money, maybe 10 bucks as opposed to six or seven. It's a 300% markup, and that's on the cheap side of food. If you're going to a nice place and you're getting that filet, you can still buy that at Walmart for 10 or $12 and cook it at your house, whereas opposed you go to Ruth Chris and they charge you 50 <laughs> Okay? Um, so it's 300% markup. That means it's three times as much money to eat out, not, just not even depending on what you eat, at least three times the amount. So we would do... $400 on groceries, because that's what you're supposed to spend, right? You go to the grocery store and you have to buy groceries that your family's going to eat. However, at our house, what happened is we hit the drive-thru and those groceries went bad in our fridge. So we lost money. The other day, I threw away, I threw away like just a cheap cut of meat. I think it was about six bucks. And when I threw it away, it hurt my heart because... That was $6 that could have been allocated elsewhere that I didn't get time to cook or prepare or think about throwing in the freezer because I thought, well, I'll cook it tomorrow. I'll cook it tomorrow. And it never happened. And so now that I'm more conscious about my money, when that $6 went in the trash can, I was like, that's an hour worth of work that I just threw away. <laughs> so I think about it differently now. But at the time... Before we had our financial grasp, you know, about two years ago, and we've even made mistakes since then, um, and it's a, it's a journey, it's a process, but we would take that $400 by groceries, and then we would spend the $1,000 on eating out, too. <laughs> so you add that amount of money, that's double the American household, and it's just because we thought we could. We thought that that's something that we were privileged to do when we should have been thinking we are children of God, and we need to live below the American means, not above and double it. Um, the groceries, that area, what happened there, we'd spend that $400 and we'd spend that $1,000 on eating out. We didn't have $1,400 to cover monthly eating out, our habits and what we wanted to do. Where did that go? One of those 20 credit cards Shannon mentioned earlier. We had a JCPenney card. Just It had $6,000 on it. doesn't have that anymore uh, because it's cut up and not in our house anymore. <laughs> um, but do you think anyone spends $6,000 at JCPenney? No, they are not going to go buy $6,000 worth of clothes at any point in their life. I don't think I've ever spent that much money in the 28 years I've been alive <laughs> and on clothes. But that money was eating out. That money was going places, going to Lexington to eat wherever we wanted to or going to Knoxville and doing what we wanted to because we felt like we made enough money to do those things. So... When you look at the statistics of the American household, look at your numbers. Go to the next page. This one at the very top says that the American average for credit cards is almost $17,000, $16,748. Mortgages, $176,222. Auto loans, $28,948. And student loans, $49,905. Okay, that's the American average. So think about that in terms of your own life. Look at those numbers. Decide where you're at on that chart. Are you above those numbers? Are you below those numbers? So Shannon's going to share with you the next little part here that has some eye-opening statistics. 
Right, so the first thing there, uh, it's on page three, the second uh, part that says statistics, says eight out of ten people have a negative net worth, and you determine that based on what you own minus what you owe. So a lot of times we feel good if we have a little money in our pocket and we get a paycheck, but when you really take in the global perspective of all the debts taken out of that, it factors in. And 80% of Americans, if we were to count the, even the people in this room, eight, if we were to line up ten of us, eight out of ten of us, would have a negative net worth, meaning that we don't even actually own one dollar when you take away everything that we are paying our masters for, uh, and then you take into account what we make. Seven out of ten people live paycheck to paycheck and can't cover a $400 emergency. So if you were to go outside and find that uh, all your tires are flat for some reason, <laughs> I don't know why that would happen, but if you were to find that out, uh, seven out of ten people in this room, and you know, I'm not speaking to anyone individually, I'm just saying statistically speaking across America, uh, you wouldn't be able to cover that expense out of pocket. You would have to go into debt, you would have to borrow, you would have to find another, you'd have to sell things, you'd have to find another way to cover that expense. So that's kind of eye-opening. Also, the number one cause of divorce in the American household is arguments over money. No surprise there. I think, uh, you know, over time, We've tried to avoid that intentionally because we saw in our own households, uh, you know, I come from a, from a broken household, um, knowing how much money was always part of the conversation. You know, that's always been a big deal growing up and in our lives and, and Alex's life as well, and she can tell you more about that. But we tried to intentionally avoid that, um, but we know that that's a, a sticky point for a lot of people, the number one cause of divorce. Uh, statistics say that after three months of budgeting, and living within your means, 84% of people say they feel that they have more control over their money. Two years ago, I couldn't tell you where our money was going. I knew we didn't have any. I knew we were, we were living paycheck to paycheck, and when emergencies and crises and things started happening, you know, I knew that we couldn't cover those expenses, but I couldn't tell you why. You know, what, some of the things Alex shared is why. You know, she, she's, you know we're, we're buying groceries and we're eating out, right? We're letting that food go bad. Sometimes we would buy groceries and come into the house and find that we'll just replace that bag of sugar that had been there for a year and put a brand new bag of sugar in its place. <laughs> Little things like that because we weren't aware of where our money was going. So, again, any time we would have extra money, any time something would happen where we would get promoted or get a raise or move up, we didn't actually advance, because we didn't know where money was going. And what we found out eventually is that you, no matter how hard you work, no matter how much effort you put into it, no matter how much you try, you cannot outwork stupid. And that's what we were. <laughs> it, it's absolutely correct. All these stupid things that we were doing up here on the side, trying to up our lifestyles and trying to uh, live at this lofty means, were completely destroying the treasures that we could otherwise be laying aside for Harper for our, our families and for future generations. So we couldn't outwork that. You know, you, you can't fix it by working harder. It's not possible. You have to fix the principles of it first. So if you want to control your money, you have to know what your money is doing. We had no idea what our, our money was doing. It was like an out-of-control child, right? We just knew it was getting up, going out the door, and we'd never see it again. Right? That was that was the problem. Okay? So the one thing that we had to realize is that in order to control our money, every dollar must have a name. Every dollar must have a purpose. Every dollar must have an assignment. Somewhere it's going, and we know exactly where it's going, and that has to be planned. Let's go over to the next page.
So with all that said, where do I start? <laughs> We've established sort of the biblical principle of why you need to be invested in your finances and, and worrying about where things are going. We've talked about our own personal testimony, and we shared a little bit with you concerning the statistics and, you know, that the American household, on average, is not doing any of this. And I think that's directly a scheme from the enemy, you know, if, if we can be honest. We know that he has plans and a purpose for your money, even if you don't. He ha he has a name for every dollar in your billfold right now. Every dollar in your in your purse. He knows he knows where he wants it to go. And it's not help others or give to children in need and and fund drug rehabilitation centers. That's not where the enemy's going to put your money. So you have to be mindful of your money and you have to make it have a name that says this is a child of God. It's money. We're going to put this where God wants us to put this because it's His ultimately anyway. Yeah. The enemy wants you to go to Best Buy and he wants you to see the big screen TV. <laughs> and he wants you to, to take out credit in order to get that. And I've been there. I know what that feels like. I, listen, just because you're, you're saved and, and that you're appointed and that you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you doesn't mean that the enemy's not peeking around every corner and he's pointing out everything uh, that's going to be your undoing. So where do you start? Step number one, save $1,000 as fast as you can. Literally. As fast as you can. Sell things if you have to. Mm -hmm. Get $1,000 in the bank. Why $1,000? Why that specific amount? Why not more? Why not less? It's because statistics have shown that $1,000 can pretty much cover any emergency that will come up for the most part. Now, there's going to be outliers, but those outliers are so small that if you're being intentional and purposeful and trying to plan, mm -hmm. $1,000 is where you start. Save that first. Okay? Step two. This one makes my heart flutter a little bit because I remember when we did when this. When we did this, we took a picture and tweeted it at Dave Ramsey. <laughs> we, <sure> did. <laughs> we did. Yeah. It's a kind of a creepy picture I'd show it yeah, to you. Yeah, we've got this, this handful of cards cut up. Stop using credit cards right now, today. Cut it off. As soon as you get your budget outlined, as soon as you plan what you're going to do, listen, this is a hard teaching. I'm not kidding. Whenever we really got on board with this, it, it does two things. First of all, it gives you a heart attack. <laughs> but the second thing is it resurrects you in your spirit mm -hmm. because you stop serving all these masters, all right? Mm -hmm. And the thing about having that credit card in your pocket, because we started out, remember Alex said that we, we did things successfully for a while and then we backtracked and then we were successful and then we backtracked. Mm -hmm. The reason we backtracked is because even though we stopped using those credit cards, that credit card was still in my wallet. <laughs> it was still in her purse, you know, it was still tied to our spirits. Mm -hmm. And we were living out this life, this poverty mentality that where we weren't trusting in God. We weren't trusting that the Lord was going to provide. And instead, we were trusting that uh, FICO was going to provide, you know, that we were going to be able to get out of any situation and our safety net was going to be this piece of plastic. And a lot of times it was. Mm -hmm. and, and every time that happened, the enemy would just laugh right in our faces. I mean, it was the most awful feeling. And then we would back, backtrack and we'd slide back and we'd say, okay, we've messed up. We can't go forward. Let's just do whatever. We're doing fine. We Remember, we, we've got an education. We feel like we have good jobs, right? And the Lord's provided. We paid off those other five debts. Yeah. You know, we, now we, we have paid, those. Now, we've got now we have those $30 now we've got minimums in breathe. our pocket. Now we're not smothering. Uh, but the enemy was right there waiting in the wings. He, he was ready to suffocate us at the first point that he could. And, and that's what continued to happen. We get drawn right back in. It's a symbolic act, and it's a practical act. Cut them up. And I'm, I'm dead serious about that. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll, we'll t in the next week, we'll talk more about how to line things out. But I'm telling you, 
when you can stop using those credit cards, that's when you can start crossing those masters off your list. And that's well, what we want to do. Interesting. Now, one of the cards is called a MasterCard. Master yep. Mm -hmm. You're exactly right. right. You're exactly right. The third step, create a written budget with your spouse. If you're married, if you're not married, you're still on a budget. You still have to be responsible with your finances. And here's the key here. One person can't do your budget. That, Remember that, he said we do this purposefully to... <laughs> yes. Now, it's not easy. <laughs> I have an idea of where the money needs to go. Alex has a money for, you know, an idea of where the money needs to go. But until those two visions come together, until we get on the same page, until we sit down and do our budget together and our finances together, I can tell you right now, it is not going to work. It just won't. It simply won't. If you have one person sitting down and doing your budget, now, I'm not saying one person can't sit down and write things out, but there needs to be a discussion. Mm -hmm. All right? One person can sit down and do it. Maybe they've got more free time to do it. But at some point, there needs to be a five, ten-minute discussion about why we are paying for this, why we're paying for that, et cetera, and so on. It cannot be a one-person thing. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a one-person income, even if there's a stay-at-home person, you two are together. No. Okay? It, it's one marriage, one flesh, one bank account, one finance. Okay? Number four. This one's fun. Reduce your lifestyle. <laughs> and begin paying off all your debts. A lot of times the reason that we can't, you know, look toward the future and the reason that we can't uh, get our mindset around the vision of, living like no one else is because right now we're living like everyone else. Mm -hmm. We see people who have things that we want. You know, I do this in my own life. I have to repent about this daily as I'm scrolling through <laughs> Facebook. And I see somebody just bought a brand new house. And I'm thinking, man, that's awesome. I want to do that. And I see somebody bought a brand new car. And I think, man, that's awesome. I want to do that. And then I go in that wallet and I open up. And those credit cards are gone. <laughs> right? <laughs> can't do it. And, and, and that's a hard teaching. It's a very hard teaching to think you can't live the American dream until you get on board with your finances and what God wants out of them. Yeah. Because a lot of people live the American dream preemptively. I'm not saying don't have nice things. I'm not saying don't buy a car, don't buy a house, etc. You can do that. But as Donald said before, we want to own things. We don't want things to own us. And that's exactly what we're allowing to happen whenever we purchase things with credit and whenever we purchase things through debt. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to turn it over to Alex to talk about the debt snowball. Okay, so this is where it gets practical. If you've never heard of the debt snowball, I, there was like five that had. Um, this this is our method. This doesn't have to be your method, but we want to give you a tool, okay? So, the first thing I want to do is I just want to show you, if you turn to, um, it's after all of the, the pages, there's two worksheets back here. So I'm going to show you, this is what our debt snowball looks like at the house. It doesn't have our numbers in it. Next week we're going to share some of that with you. Um, but what we do is the very top block is our smallest debt. So we put our debts in order from smallest to largest. Now, mathematically, um, you would pay off your highest interest rate first. But as Dave says, we're not doing math because if we were, we wouldn't be in this dumb situation anyway. So you start with the smallest one, okay? So you may have like a $200 credit card that you just use here and there and it's just got a couple hundred dollars on it. Or you actually may not have any credit card debt and you've just got a car payment and you've got about six or 7000 left on it, but then you've got a student loan. So those things go in order from smallest to largest, okay? Whatever they are. What Shannon 
Brandon and I do to help us and motivate us and to keep us accountable and on track is every month we have to fill out this little box below it. And we have to say how much money we paid toward our debt that month. And what that does for us is it, and it's actually hanging on our refrigerator at the house. So every time we walk by that, we're like, you know, doing this, like giving it the main eye because we're going to knock those debts out. But we have to look at it. I and we have Alex to... punch it the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so ready to be done with it. You don't even know because, like he said, we want to buy a house, but that's like two to three years down the road for us. So I'm just like, I'm done with this. Like, we're done. We're getting out. <laughs> um, so anyway, you start the smallest and you work your way around and over here be your largest. Now, we put 10 circles there. You may not have 10 debts. We started with 20. You may have to make boxes for yourself. Okay? <laughs> make a copy. <laughs> um, Dave says, basically, if you really get on a beans and rice budget, which we'll talk about next week, which is where you've cut your lifestyle, you're not eating out, you're, you know, you're really focusing on cutting this debt um, out of your life, if you get on that, you can usually pay off all of your debts within two to three years. And I'm talking student loans, too. And if you looked at that average, $49,000 in student loans. Some of you that went to nursing school, you may have more because you had to do extra things. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's, we have probably almost exactly the American average each because we have four degree, six degrees, but four degrees between us that costed money. So every how many degrees you have, add about twenty, thirty thousand. 30000 If you don't know how much your student loans are, Go online and look, because those are part of your debt. Yeah, and you, you need exact numbers. You need exact That's numbers. That's what's really important. You need to, again, in, in the spirit of every dollar having a name, you need to know where that money's going. So mm -hmm. if your uh, MasterCard is, you know, $2,361.02, that's what goes That's what you write in that box, okay? Yeah. These little boxes, so this is, I started with July, not June, because we're going to hit our budget the week right before you essentially probably would get paid the first of the month. Um, that was kind of our thinking since next week's Father's Day and then we'll make the week after that. So it be like the 26th-ish. So we'll start with July. How much money can you put towards your debt snowball in July? So July, you'll put the amount that you paid on that little line. That's basically how it works. And I've got it set up for you for two years. So hopefully, you know, you, you can have a two-year plan and you can say, okay, at the end of that two years, where would I be? Um, all right, so go back to where it says the debt snowball on your notes. And we're just page four. Page four. Mm -hmm. and we're just going to talk about this for just a minute. So, I've given you a little illustration. It says debt one, two, three, four, five. What you will do is you'll list your debts from smallest to largest, the exact numbers, whatever those numbers are. You're going to make minimum payments on all those debts except the smallest. So, let's say you know you have four or five debts and they're thirty dollars a month that you pay minimums. All of those you just keep the same. The only one that you attack is the little one. Okay, so you attack that one. It's $200, you got an extra $100 in your bill at the end of the month, you stick that $100 on that credit card and you pay it off in two months. Okay, so you only attack the little one. You don't try to be scattered and do a bunch of different things. You need a goal, and your goal is to get rid of the smallest debt you have. Okay, you're going to pay as much as possible now. Number four, you repeat the process until all debts are paid. So you knock out the little one, you go to the next one in line. And you move on yeah. The next little one, and what happens yeah. is the minimum payment that you used to be paying on that little one now becomes part of your snowball, your overall power to get mm -hmm. rid of debt. So, say you were doing a thirty-dollar minimum payment on your smallest debt, you just knock that one out completely. That thirty dollars rolls over into what you can put toward the next debt, plus what you're already doing, and in that way, it snowballs. And that money you can put toward debt gets bigger yeah. and bigger and more powerful, and more powerful. And before you know it, 
you're paying off really large debts because you're paying off the small ones first. Okay. Um, so this plan gives you the greatest sense of accomplishment because when you knock that one out, you're going to be like, oh, that felt great. Yeah. So next month, let's try to hit another one or hit as much as we can. And that's what's really helped motivate us. We have four debts left. Shannon told you we started with about 20. So we have four left until we get to student loans, and those are large amounts. <laughs> so those are scary. But, but they're on our, they're on our they're chart. On our chart. And things are just rolling right around. And when we yep. get to those, we'll have even more money. And so what happens is those little victories set you up to knock out the big things later. So look at the debt snowball example. The next couple pages is just what that looks like practically. So you can go home and you can start doing this for yourself. Um, so you start up here at the top with the Lowe's credit card. And let's say it's got a $100 balance and you've got a $20 minimum payment on it. Okay? We had to cover that up a little. It used to have a different card. Yeah, this was an example uh, from the Internet. And... Uh, it may or may not have said Victoria's Secret. And thought, who has Victoria's Secret? Lowe's <laughs> 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 sounds a little more reasonable for church. Lowe's. So we went with Lowe's, okay? This is a godly house. Right. <laughs> so, so we went down. I'm just kidding. If you have one, I'm not trying to condemn you. You go down to the next. Yeah. yeah. So you go down. You go down to the next debt snowball, okay? So what happens out here beside of it, the $20 is the minimum payment. And then they had to pay 80 extra dollars to get rid of the 100 right? So you can see that's what they did. The minimum payment went $20 plus 80 to get rid of that. But they had $100 to start with that they could put on their debt. So what did they do with that extra 20 It went ahead and rolled down to the JCPenney card. So then that month... Instead of paying $25 on JCPenney, they would have paid $45. $25 the minimum plus the $20 they had extra from the $100 original. Okay? So they pay off the little one. So then the next sheet is going to show you how the snowball grows. Okay? Page 6. Page 6. So how does the snowball grow? Well, the JCPenney was $25 minimum payment. The Lowe's credit card was $20 minimum payment, and they had an extra $100 in their budget that they could put toward debt. So they paid $20 plus $100, and that knocked out the JCPenney card. Then, if you go down to the last example down here, that minimum for Target was $40 a month. They took the $40 plus the $25 minimum from JCPenney, plus the $20 from Lowe's, plus the 100 they had extra each month. So you carry the minimum from the party paid off down to the, to the So that's how your snowball gets bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. Yeah, and you have to be disciplined about this because what happened for us is when we started seeing a little wiggle room in the budget, we started seeing other things that we wanted, other things that were easily mm -hmm. put back into because we said we lived this way before. Right, and we, and we made it work barely, but we made just it like work. the Egyptians when they were coming, or not the, when they were coming out of Egypt. That Moses was taking the people out of uh, Egypt, and they were getting manna from heaven. They were like, but back there we had meat and we had this, so let's go back to that. Well, we we could go to Knoxville and we could go to Lexington and we could go out to eat and we could. I didn't have to cook everything, <laughs> so let's go back to that. So it's that. It's that slave mentality. You have to break the cycle. And the way you do that, just like Shen says, you cut up the credit cards. So then, whatever you say is in your budget, you don't have room to go back on it. And Shannon's going to explain that on the budget worksheet percentages. Okay. Budget percentages, and we're, we're getting ready to wind this one down. 
Um, what you're looking at here is an example of if you were making $40,000 yearly income, I know people are all around that totals. Uh, people are higher than that. People are lower than that. But this gives you estimates based on a $40,000 yearly income. And the one thing you have to know about this chart here in this little wheel and this diagram is that these are percentages for people who already have things figured out. All right, I want to I put that sort of caveat in there that what you're going to try to do is you're going to try to borrow as much from these percentages in these areas as possible to give to your debt snowball. You're going to have to cut your lifestyle way, way down. That's a hard teaching. All right? and, I, and I don't want there to be any illusion here that I'm saying this is an easy fix because this is not. This is the work that it requires to get out of financial bondage and stay out of financial bondage. And we can do it with the Lord's help, but it's not an easy thing. And I'm not making any illusion that this class is going to give you an easy way to do anything because there is no easy way to do this. All right? Yeah. So when we're talking about the percentages here, once you get everything figured out, just some averages. Uh, you're giving, obviously, 10%. That one's off the net. Some people tithe off the gross. We won't get into that discussion here. You can, you can decide that on your own. So I've just figured things out to make it kind of simple here. Uh, if you make $2,500 a month after taxes, 10% is going to go to giving. Uh, no more than 25% should go toward your house. All right, so think about that. Put that into perspective. That includes the insurances everything everything in your house that's all included okay 25 percent because you don't want to be house poor so only a fourth of your income should go toward the house yep utilities about seven percent food 13 percent uh gas 10 percent uh health insurance uh and then this personal recreation here this is the one that honest to goodness you have to cut to a scorched earth <laughs> in order to make this work and i'm not kidding i mean Again, this is not the easy plan. He made us right? cut ours, and I said, I said, but what about, it's getting ready to be summer. And Shannon was like, it's getting ready to be summer right now, but in two years you can enjoy summer then. Well, here's the thing. When we added this up at minimum payments, I'm 60 years old before, yeah. I, before I get to live and give the way I want to give and live, right? Yeah. When we added this up based on the plan I'm giving you today, we're about two to three years away from doing exactly what we want to do with our finances. That includes paying off all credit cards, all student loans. That includes giving more to the church and upping our tithe. And I don't say all that to, to be braggadocious. I'm saying it's possible, but it is not easy. And we're not telling you anything that's easy. This is hard. And you have to get mad at this. This isn't something that you just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to start doing this. We're not going on vacation. Alex and I aren't going on vacation for about three years. See that face? <laughs> but I said, I have a daughter who wants to go to Disney World. <laughs> Shannon was like, mm -mm, when but, she's but three. See, <laughs> this, this is the thing about sitting down and talking it out, though, because. Yes, because I completely, I completely agree. And, you know, um, I am a stay-at-home mom, but I also have a full-time position at the Cumberlands. I just do it from home. And one thing that's really kind of, scorched earth us is food and I, I know I go back to that and I talk about that in a lot because food is my kind of like my comfort like I, I want people to make me food I don't want to have to sit there and make it myself and and Shannon doesn't cook that's just a caveat so, so yeah he can make easy mac and noodles so so when dinner gets made at our house it's me and when we look at these numbers I'm thinking you know I can cut that food budget because the national average you know what the national average is supposed to be you may know Food stamps that they give you, $100 per person per household. 
So $100 per month for each person in your house is what you should be spending on food. We, we thought that that was really rough for us, so we started with a little bit higher number. You know, we started with, with about 400 but after the summer when we're not, you know, using that money for a little bit, you know, nicer things like barbecues and things like that, in the fall, that number will go down because we're going to hit those cheaper, easier meals, but that's not an eating out budget. So $400 covers everything now from 1400 that I was mentioning earlier. So when we cook at the house, we cook. We do beans and rice, you know, we eat Easy Mac for dinner. <laughs> and there's a lot of things there that you can cut. The personal and recreational, the food is the one I would suggest cutting first. So you're saying 400 for eight now and groceries. Yeah, all together. No matter period. how you spend the food, whether it's a sausage biscuit or whether it's something that you make at your house. <laughs> That sort of our budget. Yeah, and so and the and the personal recreational like that's okay to give that up because don't we do? I mean, there's free things. You can go to the park. You can go to a public swimming pool for a couple dollars. You know, you if you want to attack the debt and be serious about it and give more to God, those are the areas you cut. You cut personal and recreational, and you try to drop your food budget. Yep. Those are the big ones. I'm gonna start eating rabbits. <laughs> there you go. That's one way to get rid of them. Okay, I'm gonna finish. All right. You gotta be creative, right? That's part of the problem. Okay. If you guys will just give us like five more minutes, we're gonna wrap it up, okay? Yeah, we're done. You guys good for about five minutes? All right. So here's what we wanna leave you with. All right. Number one, as we said at the beginning, this isn't something that you're just gonna wake up and wanna do. All right. Nobody wants to cancel vacation. All right. I challenge you, though, to think not in terms of what you want to do this summer and what you want to do uh, of your own personal time. Think about that list that Donald showed us this morning. Think about those folks who are just outside these windows and these walls who are addicted to drugs, are addicted to alcohol. These people who every time we go through McDonald's and we swipe that credit card or we go to JCPenney and swipe that credit card, that's another dollar that we're assigning not, I'm not going to say we're assigning it to the enemy, but we're definitely not assigning it to, to God's work a lot of times. That's what we found in our own personal lives. Mm -hmm. So if we want to give every dollar a name, if we want to give every dollar a purpose, if we want to give every dollar an assignment, we have to have a clear vision of what we want that to be principled around. I want that to be principled around exactly what Donald showed us out there. I want to... Uh, bring in the orphans. I want to give scholarships to students who can't afford to go to school. I grew up down here on Bridge Street. My household income was probably about $8,000 a year. And I'm not even, I'm just saying that's, that's about what welfare, food stamps, SSI amounts to, and that's what I was raised on. I couldn't afford to go to college by myself, you know. So I just want to ensure that the people in this area are taken care of and I don't spend their money eating another cheeseburger, buying another TV, getting another instrument. I mean, there's, there's work to be done, and God's given me so much in my life, so much in our lives, so much in the lives of our family, that where we give our money is what we're sowing into. And we're going to reap that. We're going to reap a great harvest based on where we're sowing. Now, are we sowing into this list of masters, or are we sowing into this list of the one master? We're sowing into what God wants us to do, the vision that he's given collectively for our church and for our people, because ultimately that's what we're going to be responsible for whenever we see... Jesus in heaven, whenever we meet God face to face, and he asks us what we did in the area of our finances, I don't want to say that I, you know, I bought another guitar. <laughs> I want to say that I found a kid on Bridge Street and I sent him to college, all right, because I know what that kind of work can do, all right? So,
questions and next steps. I want to give you the next steps first, then we'll do questions, and then if anybody needs to go, you can, you can head out. So, homework. The next two pages uh, give you the debt snowball chart and also what's called the quick start budget. All right, before we meet again, we're not meeting next Sunday because it's Father's Day, but the week after we're going to meet again. Create your debt snowball chart. Keep it private. We're not asking you to share your finances. This isn't calling anybody out. Cover it up. We don't care. We just want you to be able to know what it is. Bring it with you. All right, and again, nobody asking anybody to see their debt snow chart, snowball chart, okay? That's, that's none of our business. That's not what we're asking for. We just want the list to be in front of you whenever we talk uh, the next time we meet, okay? Bring it. Nobody asking anybody to see theirs. I'm not asking to see it. Bring it, though. Make it and bring it. Watch the Gazelle Intensity video. I promise you this will change your worldview. It's about a 30-minute video. The link is here, but if you have a smartphone and you know how to do QR codes, you can snap a picture of this QR code here and it'll bring up uh, a YouTube video. It's about 30 minutes. I promise you, watch it. Watch it on the way home. Watch it when you get home. It's super, it's not one of these things that's going to bore you. I mean, it is so intense. It really is from start to finish. It will give you, you know, if you're questioning your motivation and you're questioning how am I going to build up what I need, how am I going to get mad enough at the debt, watch this video and it puts everything into perspective. Next class, we're going to talk about budgeting more specifically. We're going to uh, let you look at your snowball and then we're going to kind of go from there. So before we go, are there any just general questions? Yes. Utilities, but if you have, if you have owe on a phone that is in your phone bill, then that's considered a debt. So you pay it off as part of your debt snowball. But the bill itself, how much you pay, is a utility. Yeah. Now the way they do it, what you owe your phone is. You can, yeah, you can pay it off. That's what we we just listed our phones into the debt snowball, and we we took those as a debt. And whenever we got to that in the debt snowball, we started paying those off. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what we had to do to get ours out. So you have to kind of think logistically in terms of what you're able to do, but that's mm-hmm. that's an option. Yeah. Other questions? Um, Okay, you cancel them when they have a zero balance. So you cut up the credit cards. You can get the phone numbers on the back of them. That way you have that. Uh, What we did, we have an app called Credit Karma, and you can go and you can look on that app, and it tells you who you owe and how much you owe them, and that's how we kept up with it. It's a free credit check. It's free credit check. Credit Karma. Okay, good question. You can answer that one. So your credit score... We're not trying to help our credit scores. And that's the other thing I'm going to say here, too. Once you're finished with this process and you know you owe nobody, your credit score is going to be at zero. And I'm not trying to say that because you might get a gut feeling like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to pay for things? And the answer is once you get through this process, and we're going to give you the next steps after you get out of the small debts and all that stuff to start building wealth and to start living and giving like nobody else. But the end goal is not to have a high credit score. The end goal is to have no credit. It's to have zero because your credit score is your interaction with debt. And the purpose of what we're doing is to not interact with debt anymore. Yeah. And I will tell you, though, our credit score has went through the roof since cutting off our credit. And that's scary, too, because that's, that's again, a tool that's of, of that's temptation. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the enemy will sow that into you because... And here's the thing. Your credit score won't become a zero until you close the account. If yeah. you have a zero balance, and uh, Christian credit, if I'm wrong, if you have a zero balance on your credit card, uh, on all your credits, uh, you're going to take about a 10 point 
uh, loss. But overall, your credit score is going to be right. so high that's not going to be it's not going to matter. No, overall, overall, ten points total. So some people will tell you that you need to keep a thirty percent balance on your credit card. That's a myth. Okay, you always pay your credit card off completely if you're trying to use credit. One hundred percent. That's how you live within your means. It doesn't ding your credit score. And again. We're not trying to save your credit score. By the end of this, we're trying to kill your credit score. We're trying to kill your dependence on credit, your dependence on other people, your dependence on other things, and this 27% premium that you're paying to every master that you serve. Okay? That's what we're talking about, and that's what we're offering in the class. So, and and we, we've dealt with the same thing. It's a struggle. It's scary because you've been so dependent on the church of FICO, and we have too. Okay? But... We're going to walk it out together. We're going to tell you next steps next time we meet. All right? You guys okay? God bless.